I'm in the civilized part. The rest is ah. the, the big spiders, the big the big sharks. The big, yeah, seriously, don't big, touch anything. Right. To, to my, my lovely wife, she came over and smacked me before for saying that. She's always showing Australia the beautiful. You know, she was showing these you know, jack around the trees with the birds and stuff in it the other day. And people thought, oh, it must be like paradise. You know? Uh, world's top ten deadliest plants ate her in Australia. <laughs> it's always world's top ten deadliest snakes. Nine out of ten are in Australia. Hey, really, Scott? It's only eight. <laughs> it's only eight. <laughs> it's only. It's only eight. <laughs> it's only eight. I know. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 8. We're really glad to have Doug back. He's had some family obligations and missed out on a couple of our recent interviews. We'll also be joined later on in the episode by Lincoln Wright from Australia. Let's uh, get into it. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Doing all right. TJ, understand you had kind of a a big week. Tell us a little bit about the uh, Games Workshop Twitch thing that happened to you. Yeah, so... um... It all kind of it stems from Twitter. I've had a Twitter since like 2014, but I use it to follow comedians I like and attractive ladies, famous ladies, that that kind of attractive lady. So I don't really use it for a whole lot. I just happened to be on there the other day, kind of bored um, at lunch, and I started to notice, you know, there's a lot of like, there's like hobby Twitter, as it were, for like miniature painting. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'll... I'll post something of mine up and, and use a hashtag so people can find it. And like, I don't know, 40 minutes later, I get a message from Games Workshop, the official account, asking if they can use one of my pictures on one of their Twitch streams. So, of course, I said yes. And I think it was the day after uh, they do like a what they call a hobby roundup on Twitch and where they find pictures of Games Workshop miniatures that have been painted online with their hashtag. And they'll show them on the stream and the host talk about them and give you a slap on the back and a attaboy and make you feel good about yourself. So, you know, I'm human. I like validation just like everybody else. So I was pretty excited to have some, you know, fellow geeks kind of nerd out over my little space marine guy. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. I was It was pretty neat. Which figure was it that was on the Twitch? It was my Primaris Tech Marine. He was painted... Um, candy red metallic finish and kind of weathered with chipping and all this other stuff. I think, oh, there it goes. Look, he's, <laughs> you see that? there it is. I'm starting to think he does that on purpose. <laughs> trying to sabotage me. Shut up. I, I think his compressor hates him, man. <laughs> it does. You know what I could do? I could just fix the air leak on the hose and it wouldn't do that, but. I'd rather just interrupt my other, you know, every time I get on here to talk. I don't even remember what I was saying. You were talking about a GoFundMe to get you a new air hose. Yeah. I mean, I probably don't even need a new air hose. I think I just need a new uh, washer, which I probably have somewhere. 
Doug, what have you been up to, man? Me personally? Oh, gosh. Well, my granddaughter had her first birthday yesterday, so we got to go celebrate with her. But we spent a few days helping my mom out because she just had her shoulder replaced. So, Well, that certainly is really important. That's awesome that you can spend some time with your family, have a little bit of fun, but then also help your mom out. That's great. I'm assuming that uh, both of you guys caught uh, episode four of The Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah. Which? Hold on. Wait, which one was episode four? Was that the one with, what's her name, Bo-Katan, or was that three? That was three. Yeah. Four was good, too. I liked four. I think I like three a little bit more. I like three uh, an incredible amount. I loved that episode. I thought four was good, uh, maybe a little bit more lighthearted for the subject matter, but I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it's such a great series. It's a lot of fun. We won't give our listeners any spoilers, but I, I enjoyed both for completely different reasons. Well, I, I will say this. Can Disney have Bryce Dallas Howard? direct a star wars movie because she's directed the best two episodes from season two and season one of the mandalorian like she clearly knows what she's doing being a good director must run in that family because she directed uh episode three and it was it was episode four i i thought that one was actually kind of weak in season one um compared to some of the others it was good because there wasn't a bad one in that season but there were some others that just seriously were were awesome to me um but yeah she's got some skills she's got some talent and i was happy to see that i don't know if you guys caught this but uh carl weathers directed episode four i thought that was pretty cool did see that oh that is very cool yeah its name popped up and i was like man i didn't know he directed anything i'm like yeah no wonder why he (laughs) had a little bit larger role in this episode paulo creed comes back with a vengeance in star wars that's cool you mean action jackson (laughs) i forgot about action jackson that's great tj how did the the charity auction with scott go on your on your sisters of battle i think it went pretty good as a matter of fact well probably by the time this is released i think it will be over it may still be going on i'm not 100 sure i'd have to i'd have to check the nova open charitable foundation knows what they're doing and they're well known so I'm just glad to be a part of it. I was also excited because on the on the actual uh, page on the website where they show the armies that are for up for auction, they use one of my little miniatures in the like the highlight reel slideshow. I was tickled by that. Yeah, I noticed that as well. I was taking a look around and seeing how that was going, and I noticed that you had some pictures up. I'll, actually, you know, I'll pull it up right now while we're talking about it to see if it is done. Uh, it is still ongoing as of. November 22nd. So I I do not know when it ends. If it's still going by the time this episode airs, which I think it will be, go on over to the novaopenchairablefoundation.org and check it out. Uh, Tickets are $8. I think you have to buy two, so a minimum of 16. And you can donate money to some great charities, Doctors Without Borders, the Breast Cancer Research Foundation, and the Fisher House, which I don't know if you guys know what the Fisher House is, but they help military families when they go to stay anywhere. Usually, like there's one at the Bethesda Naval Hospital in Bethesda, Maryland, so where I work on occasion. So I see it all the time. So that's pretty cool. I would uh, ask anyone if you're interested and you want a Warhammer 40,000 Army or you don't even care just, just to support the raffle anyways. 
Yeah, that's a great opportunity to help some great charities out and also to get some really cool uh, figures as well. Also, apparently I'm a big idiot because there's a giant ticker on their website that tells you exactly how long there's left. So it ends on December 4th at 12 p.m. Eastern time. This should air before that, I would, I think, right? Yep, we're going to drop this on uh, the 25th. Yeah, go check it out. It's uh, novaopenfoundation.org and then you'll see the links to all the various uh, armies up for raffle. So did you guys uh, check out the uh, Golden Sprue Award winners? I did not. Are they out? They are. I I listened to the latest on the bench where they talked about them all. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, and then I saw some of them like Vallejo winning best paint, which, uh, okay. Yeah, that one, I, I think that one surprised me just a little bit. Not that it's bad or anything. I think that there's a lot of people that use the product. I, I, I just, I think a lot of times in polls and things like that, People tend to go with the new kid on the block and, you know, they've been around for a while. So that's probably uh, speaks to their following. They, I mean, they have really good paint. So, yeah. I mean, I saw that um, the Machine and Krieger Fal- Falcades, I think that's how you say it. That one best uh, sci-fi kit. So that was pretty cool. I have not that version, but, you know, I think we've talked about before. And I know we talked about with Link, they make multiple versions of the same kind of basic thing. And they just give them different names. So, yeah, that was pretty cool. I was glad to see that. And uh, I was really surprised to see the Mini RT3485 win Best New Armor Kit. But, I mean, I guess. I don't know if that's necessarily better than the Rifle Model one. I think I think they're just different approaches. I don't actually have the T3485. Uh, I want to get one, but the Mini Art Kits... I think the interior version's the one that that uh, ended up winning, and they're just such a complete model, you know. Whereas the Ryfield models is more of the shell type approach. They make really, really detailed stuff, full engines, interiors, pretty good stuff. So yeah, I thought that was that was a good choice. I, I was surprised, like you, about the the Hasegawa Falk, though. I I didn't know that was a a new kit. It's probably just a new boxing, I would imagine, of that MAK kit, right? Well, what they do is they'll release a quote-unquote new kit that's essentially a rebox, but they'll like change one thing about it and give you like another sprue or something. So yeah, it's technically a new kit. I know the the Falk's been around for a long time, but uh, I will, uh, you know, okay, I'm gonna climb up on this hill and die here if I have to. But the fact that Tommy is 148P38H didn't win best new aircraft kit is a travesty. Yeah, that one surprised me. I get it. That's also not technically a new kit because that what came out there were the first one, the F and G came out in 2019. Yeah. I think they used the H model though, because that was a new kit in 2020. I believe that's how Warren did that. Still, even then the fact that a 172nd Wildcat, which Wildcats are cool. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, That that's a cool airplane, but first of all, 172nd scale gross. And <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these these constant scale guys are not going to like you saying that. That's fine. I don't care. I told you, I'll die on this hill. Look, I mean, look, if you're if you're into constant scale, cool, cool beans. I don't care. I also like. Okay, I like one thirty fifth armor. That's what I like to build. It's not all I build, but if I build an armor kit, I want it to be in one thirty fifth scale. But I can recognize if another scale is good. Like, there's good one forty eight scale armor. And hell, there's good 172nd scale armor, but I mean, come on. The P-38 Lightning, that's a beautiful kit. I don't 
I don't know crap about airplanes, but I know that's an awesome kit. It's it's damn near perfect. Yeah, it really is. I know uh, the 72nd scale guys. That's uh, TJ at PlasticPossyPodcast.com. They really, um, they say that Arma Hobby, I haven't ever seen one of their kits, but they really talk about how the owners of Arma Hobby are really passionate and they're bringing, you know, like 148 scale or even in some cases, 132nd scale detail to 172nd scale aircraft. And I would imagine worldwide, 172nd scale is probably the most popular aircraft scale. That's crazy to me. I, I figured 148th would be. That's my preferred scale. But but the only time I got big into 172nd scale, TJ, maybe you haven't heard of it, but Scott and I played a game for a while. It was called Mustangs and Messerschmitts. And it actually involved using 172nd scale kits our aircraft built and you put them on on specially marked sticks and stands and you would wheel them around a large space we used a garage to basically have dogfights it was a lot of fun but that's the only time i got into 72nd scale aircraft was building aircraft for that game yeah i'd say the same thing that was an interesting game i'd kind of forgotten about that the guy that got us into it was an engineer and a pilot And so he kind of had those dual disciplines of how aircraft behave and then also how to engineer the stands and how to measure out, you know, how far you'd move your stand and how long the maneuvers took. It was pretty cool. It was was fun. All right. One other thing. I'm not sure if uh, any of our listeners have seen this, but I wanted to, because of the time of the year, you know, coming up in the next few days is uh, Thanksgiving here in the U.S. and uh, had an opportunity to do a little fun little thing. One of the people that I work with, uh, she has a son and he was exposed to COVID and had kind of been uh, locked down in quarantine for two weeks. And he was struggling. He wasn't able to see his friends and go anywhere. And he was just kind of bored. I knew he was interested in history and he liked tanks and planes and Star Wars and everything. So went down in my basement and like most of us modelers, I've got just a ridiculous stash and uh, grabbed a Bandai ATST kit and a 148 scale KV-1 bottle of uh, Tamiya Extra Thin and went over and dropped it on his doorstep. You know, over the next few days, I just got video after video after picture of just this young man just absolutely having a blast with this stuff. I'm not bringing this up to give myself any credit for this. What I'm doing is just saying, seeing those smiles in the pictures he was sending me were worth way more to me than some more kits in my stash. Point is, is that I was able to kind of make somebody smile. And so my challenge that I issued on our Facebook page to everybody and uh, challenge the other podcasts as well is, you know, if you've got an opportunity to do that, maybe somebody has never built a model before and you think that it might be something they might enjoy or or maybe maybe they are they've done some modeling but they just haven't had the chance to really get into it or don't have a lot of money think about that grab a kid or two out of your stash and drop it on somebody's doorstep and uh, let's see if we can uh, make somebody smile that's my challenge to everybody hopefully you can find an opportunity to do that in 2020 i think we can all use uh, a reason to smile on a related note i had a phone call with malcolm childs who is the head of a uk charity called models for heroes you guys will hear from him in uh, one of our upcoming episodes but this is a great charity they use uh, model kits and supplies 
to help UK military veterans who have physical and mental, you know, challenges, handicaps from their service. And their program's been really, really successful. It's a terrific organization. You can go to modelsforheroes.org.uk is their website. If you're in the UK, you can volunteer or you can donate kits or supplies. Or if you're around the world or here in the U.S., you can just uh, give them a little bit of a financial contribution. So, and like I said, you guys will be hearing from him in one of our upcoming episodes. So uh, stay tuned for that. Well, hey, Doug, um, what kind of feedback do we have? We got quite a bit of feedback this time. And as a matter of fact, we're getting so much feedback now that we just don't have time to share it all. We really appreciate y'all sharing with us and, and giving us your thoughts and input especially when you want to talk about what we're doing and then sharing your work on our on our page. That's wonderful stuff. I think the three of us are, to be honest, a little blown away by the responses we've gotten from this show. It's a little humbling. So we appreciate that. We, we want to give a shout out. Our friend Ray Davis from Sydney gave us, he actually took the time to design a logo for us. It's a little sheriff's badge and uh, it's really cool. We really appreciate that. Thanks, Ray. We heard from a, a new friend, a David Roscoe. He's from North Wales in the UK, and this is what he had to say. He said, hi, guys. We're loving your new addition to your podcast family, especially your love of all things sci-fi. It was Star Wars that gave birth to my love of modeling. I was the original at the age of seven in 1977 and fell in love with the ships at first sight. So I would dearly love to hear you guys talk about kit bashing and scratch building. I've been doing some upscaling. A few pics are attached. Those will be on our Facebook page if you're interested. The Bandai kits make amazing 3D blueprints to take measures from. I've upscaled their fabulous ATST and ATAT by a factor of four to get models in 112th and 135th scale, respectively. I haven't been active on Instagram for a while, but both builds are detailed on my page at Model Making Man. I guess that's the Instagram page, Model Making Man. I hope you can find time to go deeper into kit bashing on, in a future show. I'll be listening out for it. Keep up the good work, chaps, and please give my hometown a shout out on the show. Now, before I do this, David, you have to understand the American tongue wasn't made for words like this. Francisilt, Francisilt, F R O N C Y S Y L L T E. Did I get that right? I don't even know if I spelled that right. I'm not, I'm not even going to guess. I think you did great, but we apologize anyway. <laughs> and to all of your hometown, we we really are sorry. Seriously, though, we need this guy on our show. He he wants us to talk about scratch building and kit bashing. Holy cow, that 112 scale ATST blows my mind. They're beautiful. They're absolutely beautiful kits. Listeners, check out our Facebook page because his his work on the ATAT and the ATST, as well as his other work, is amazing. We we've definitely got to hook up with David to come on the show at some point. That would be awesome. And 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 David, if you come on the show, you can pronounce that that town for us because we need to know. Another one we got uh, Tony Jacob. He's been a constant contributor to us. We really love having what he is feedback. Tony. Tony. We had a great episode. He has so much feedback. He loved hearing all the inspiring pop culture references. He'd like to hear some more about some of those movies, books, and where the kids can be found of all these movies, books, and games. He uh, actually gives us a suggestion here to kick off with the Dune universe. 
Uh, Tony Lamb has designed some awesome short run resin resin kits, and he's given us a link to that, and I think that's on our on our page as well. So go check that out. We've actually got one more, Doug. This one is from Jesse. He writes in, Dear Plastic Posse, what a pleasure to discover your podcast. Give credit to Martin Kovach for mentioning it on his YouTube channel. I have since downloaded all your episodes and a few others being unaware that such podcasts existed. Of course, he's talking about our fine sister podcasts, Scale Model Podcast, Plastic Model Mojo, and On the Bench. I don't get out often, and I pretty much kill time building models anymore. Not having the internet, a smartphone, and refusing to use social media results in a hermit life, which isn't all that bad. I do have an ancient laptop to hit public Wi-Fi hotspots occasionally, and recently found a way to download YouTubes. That suffices for me. It's as if new friends that share similar interests now, quote, come over to visit, end quote, and teach me a thing or two. Anyway, attached is a PDF of some builds that I completed in 2018 and 2019. These are amazing dioramas that Jesse has uh, put together, and they're re- it's a really good work. He says, uh, he continues, I'm very much old school, preferring to stay away from 3D printed laser cut and photo etch pieces in many cases. While they are much more accurate, I find enjoyment in searching out old pieces of junk and repurposing it into what I want or whipping things up from scratch. So here's a question for you and your listeners. This project that I'm working on requires litter. Lots and lots of it. Garbage cans tossed on the roadside type litter in 187th scale. It may sound easy, but stop and think about the textures and colors involved. At least a gallon of it will be needed, and attempts thus far have proven impractical and or run realistic. All right, listeners, any suggestions for Jesse here? Anyway, thanks again for being a friend. It's nice to not be alone sometimes. Just make sure you and Uncle Night Shift keep your stuff available so us dinosaurs living off the grid can download and view later on anyway thanks a lot jesse what a ter- what terrific feedback you know that's why we started this podcast so uh really really appreciate that that's that's all we're going to share for now once once again we're thankful for everybody that that uh, has anything to say to us we really appreciate it um we're having a blast with this and it feels like we've got friends all over the world that we didn't know a few months ago and you guys are great. Thanks again. Yeah, that's a great point, Doug. Thanks, everybody. And if you want to contribute, be a part of the Posse, we'd love to have you. Our Facebook page is the Plastic Posse Podcast. Or if Facebook really isn't your thing, you're always welcome to email us at plasticpossepodcast at gmail.com. Well, TJ, uh, what have you been working on? What's on your bench? So I recently finished my 50th and 51st miniature of 2020. So I was pretty excited about that. Number 50 was a Space Marine Redemptor Dreadnought. And number 51 was a Space Marine uh, Razorback, which is like a armored personnel carrier type thing. It looks like a M113, but, you know, like a science fiction version of it. Um, so I was pretty excited about that. I mean, what else? I, what, what I have on the table currently, I've got more Space Marine stuff. Big surprise. But I also recently, oh, I did start the T-34, the Ryfield model T-34-85 that, I, that I've been hyping up for now weeks and feel like I was maybe a big part of the reason why we started a group build for that, yet I was the only one that hasn't done anything with it. So I have fixed that. I've built the, I've built the bottom hull. It's gone together very nice. And that's as far as I've gotten. 
so I'm looking forward to this long weekend, Thanksgiving weekend in the United States for our international listeners. So I have off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So a nice four-day weekend. Maybe like a half day on Wednesday. Just shh, keep that between us. Yeah, so I hope to put some time in on that. But then more importantly, I bought a one twelve scale bust of George Washington. And it's based on the portrait done of him. I can't remember who did the portrait, which irritates me because I should know this. But it was painted in 1796 at the end of his second term. I got it from Sabo Miniatures, which is an American-based company. They sell busts and of different scales and, and painting stuff you know, like kind of targeted towards that whole side of it because I'm trying to jump into that because I've never done it. And I figured I'd start with my personal hero, which is George Washington. It's going to be, uh, it's kind of intimidating. It's really cool. I think I sent you guys a picture of it. It's beautiful. It is, it is uh, straight up. It's perfectly cast. Like I can't find a flaw on the casting. I was extremely impressed and I've seen some good resin casts in my day and it's probably the best one I've ever seen. You've done a lot of figures. Have you ever done one in this large of a scale before? No, I have not. I mean, this is a whole new ball game compared to painting a 28 millimeter scale, you know, space Marine head. I think, I think TJ is going to be one of those rare guys that can actually put a good pilot in his airplanes. If he builds one. Uh, yeah, I probably could. Uh, I think it would be serviceable. So Doug, uh, have you had a chance? You've been a pretty busy guy. Uh, probably haven't had a chance to work on much. You worked on anything? I broke out the uh, Bandai speeder bike and Biker Scout. Um, it's it's assembled in, uh, well, the, the speeder is as, assembled as far as I want to take it without um, doing some uh, early painting on the sub-assemblies because there's so many different things going on there that I don't want to paint it as a whole. I want to paint it in parts and then assemble it. And it's and because of the way it fits, it should be really simple to do. Um, so so that's going. And um, I thought a little bit about the T thirty four, if that counts. Thinking yeah, about it, get absolutely. You know, oh, maybe I should work on that, but then I don't. I made Scott go buy me some paint, which I still need to go pick up from him. Because I'm looking at I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> so so maybe I can actually put some green on it. That would be fun. And I bought a new snake. That's that's what I've done this week. You got a new snake. What'd you get? It's another ball python. It's a it's a sugar morph with a carries the traits for clown, a clown morph, which I hope to breed to another clown someday and make baby clown ball pythons. It'll be fun. I have no idea what any of that means, but I bet it looks cool. <laughs> I still haven't uh, made any progress. I've been kind of hitting uh, hitting the podcast for all you listeners out there a little bit hard, but I did actually break out a kit and finished it. Um, it's a test bed kit. Now, don't laugh at me, you guys, but I actually had one of those Mang Toon Tanks M4A1 Shermans. I put that all together, and what I'm going to use it for, I'm going to paint it with Operation Cobra markings, which is the black camouflage over the olive drab, and then I am going to use it for sponge and paint chipping with a paintbrush practice. So uh, actually a really fun little build. It, it was a lot of fun. I used a little bit of putty on it in a couple places, but it was really, really engineered well uh, because it's the M4A1. It has the cast hole. So I textured 
the turret, the cast hole, and the transmission cover, and I think that adds a little bit to it. It looks pretty good, but anyway, I'm going to paint that up and then use it for chipping practice. So that's that's what I've been doing. I do have two of the new Border Models Crusader kits, so I put my money where, where my mouth was, waiting every day for Patrick over at Andy's Hobby Headquarters online to send me an email and make my day uh, that those kits are on the way about all I've done. Hopefully, uh, like you guys, over the Thanksgiving weekend, I can get my T3485 into primer, um, get that kind of wrapped up, and then at some point, maybe uh, get that little 148 scale Crusader 3, maybe get that into primer as well, because it's really close. That's what I've been doing. You know, there's something there's something you mentioned in there with using it as a test bed for chipping and stuff. I'm trying to find the name and I'll find it and we'll 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 give a shout out to this uh this listener but one of our listeners asked us to uh, maybe even post uh, pictures of our paint mules like this is what we do to kind of practice and learn new techniques and I thought that would be kind of a fun thing if we were to throw on our page a section with just pictures of what we've done to practice our uh our new techs that's a great idea. I'll do it. You know, I'll, I'll uh, take some pictures as they go along and uh, let everybody see what it looks like. So, yeah, that sounds great. All right. So coming up next, we have a fantastic interview with Lincoln Wright from Paint on Plastic. He is pretty much the top dog when it comes to uh, Machine and Krieger. It's a really fun interview. He's a super interesting guy. And if you've ever seen his videos, he's exactly like that outside of his videos too so it is not an act and he's just a all-around good guy a great ambassador for the hobby so stay tuned and i think you'll really enjoy it Welcome to the interview portion of our show. In this episode, TJ and I are joined by Lincoln Wright. Welcome to the show, Link. Thank you very much for making me come on your show. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We send our uh, send our Hitmen squad uh, the Down Under version. It was a little bit of work to run Lincoln down, but we finally got it done. Thank you very much, Scott. It's, I'm very happy to be here. I'll just kind of do a few highlights, and Lincoln, uh, correct me where I'm wrong, because I will be. Uh, Lincoln is originally from Australia, but he spent a good deal of time growing up and living in Japan. While he was there, he became a big part of the science fiction modeling community and worked with Ko Yokohama Sensei as a studio model artist and also as a writer for Machine and Krieger. Max Watanabe uh, invited Lincoln to collaborate with him on MAK SF3D. Uh, both of those are super cool properties, and we'll definitely talk more about those uh, in the segment. He's creative consultant on MAK, and he's been given the title Sensei, and he's also the global ambassador for MAK outside of Japan. He's the creator owner of Paint on Plastic. He's got a YouTube channel uh, that has over 2 million views. One video alone has uh, over 400,000 views. If you guys haven't seen his YouTube channel, check that out. 
And he's got some new things coming up that I'm excited to talk about, including a new MAK contest and also a couple of exciting uh, publishing type projects. Man, how can I live up to that? I'm, I'm all of that, but much, much less. But it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride. I've, done, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of cool and fun stuff. And I just got lucky multiple times, really. I think there's probably a little more to do with it than just luck. <laughs> Let's start out sort of general and then dive into this. Why science fiction modeling for you versus so-called traditional modeling? Which yeah. genre grabbed you first? Airplanes. I, I'm I'm so I'm serious because this is a it's a funny thing people assume that it's always been sci-fi. No, no, sci-fi came after I failed at all the others. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but but really, as a kid, I, I, made, I made airplanes. But that was a big thing for for Yokoyama-san. Actually, was that he's a big air, aircraft airplane modeler. So airplanes as a kid, uh, I came back to modeling whilst in Japan as a wannabe adult, uh, making Warhammer stuff. So again, you know, I've, there's another reason to not like me. Uh, Sci-fi, then airplanes, <laughs> then, then Warhammer. It was at that point, though, where see, uh, Warhammer stuff, Games Workshop stuff in Japan is, is even more expensive because it's touched many hands. So when my friends in other countries complain about their price, but wait, it costs more. So, so that was the thing, and I, I could see the products available locally in Japan were were very price performance uh, good. Bandai, Bandai makes very reasonable products. So, one day uh, I decided that uh, okay, now I will has the gunpla. I'll start making uh, you know <laughs> Gundam models, and uh, that's how I got into science fiction modeling. Wow, that's a great place to start, uh, right? After after you built a Gunpla, what did you think? Were you immediately hooked, or did it take you a while to kind of work into it? So I, again, my life of fail, I still couldn't even get that right. So when I went to the store to buy what, what I thought in my mind, I'm going to buy a Gundam. A Jap Japanese modeling stores, they're probably the, the, the flip side of anything we have in the West. Australia has changed a lot, and my local happens to be the distributor for Bandai, so they're about... 50, maybe even 70% Bandai kits now. But I would imagine many people listening to us now when they go to a, a model store, a hobby store, it's probably mostly uh, tanks, then, then planes, then uh, miscellaneous military. And sci-fi is that stuff way back at the, the back corner on table 12. You know, table 12 from The Wedding Singer, where all of the not popular <laughs> <Yes>. dudes. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Do you really want to hurt me? Right back there at the back. Is that what it's like for you guys? Is the sci-fi choices are very, no? Used to be exactly as you're describing it, but it is changing uh, very, very quickly here, at least here in Utah. TJ, what's it like for you on the East Coast? We don't really have a tradition, well, at least where I live. There's not really a traditional model store left i think the last one went out of the business about a year and a half ago okay you know i i also am very much involved in warhammer stuff so i buy most of my stuff from um, an independent retailer close to my house who cool. also has a huge at least for our area gun plus section yeah that yeah based on the amount of stuff he gets every week because he posted on his facebook on the store facebook page when they get new stuff they must be selling like hotcakes because he gets a mountain of stuff, but 
after two weeks, you go in there and they're, it's almost all gone. So hey, I'm assuming he's doing very well. Gundam is not plastic crack. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's <laughs> So, oh, okay. Uh, so it's the same. Uh, it's, it's happening everywhere then. The gaming uh, retailers seem to be uh, quite on the ball for that. They go with what's selling, don't they? Whereas our traditional model vendors, sadly, they were quite slow to see this. And it's, I apologize if I sound quite opinionated at different moments. I've got to be really careful about that. But thankfully, you read my resume first. So you can see I do have some grounding <laughs> in the industry. But often I, I'll get shut down something unmerciful. You know, what do you know, guy? So, well, <laughs> I've seen a few things. They were a little bit slow to pick up, weren't they? And that was, it's the same with our friends. Uh, uh, you guys will have this too. Your friends will lament to you that, oh, the, I'm sorry, I got voices for people who say things like this I, I don't know if it's wrong or not but it entertains me oh the hobby's dying there's nothing we can do like well well your hobby might be and certainly you're not breathing any life into it with killing every single kit that comes out now oh, i would buy that but it's wrong because of reasons x y z but anyway, that, that's a whole different thing but they're not taking into account that kids now instead of making you know spitfires mustangs Corsairs, love the Corsair, right? Instead of making them, they're making the new Lupus Rex. They're, they're jumping on an RX-78 and they're nostalgic for them because they are old properties. You know, they're, uh, is it 30 years uh, mark or did we just hit 40 year mark? Uh, it must be 40s because it was 80. Yeah, yeah, wow, 40. Yeah, they're, they're not uh, focusing on the growth that is happening in the hobby, albeit slightly differently, uh, different to, to what we traditionally no. I think that's something we definitely see and we've discussed as well here is just it's really mm -hmm. more of a change in the hobby. Sure. The quality of the products and, and yeah. not just kits, but the finishing materials. Uh -huh. It's just it's tremendous, but you've got to participate, right? You've got yes. to you've got to open your eyes and be willing to take a look at those new things. And you've got to be buying stuff. I, I this this is probably something that was not meant for the show, but one of the things that I, I tried to tell my friends is to make sure you're buying things and, and do buy them directly through the, the distribution chain kind of thing. If you keep buying old kits off eBay, uh, nobody actually get, makes any money in the model making industry. Right. They're just, uh, it's just circulating old crap that you know, has held up somebody's sofa for 33 years. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No money flows back to the companies that we need to stay in business to keep making cool stuff for us. Anyway, that's a, that's just an aside. Well, take us from Link's first Gunpla to, um, you know, your transition. So I'll quickly get into it. So I failed at that. I went in and I couldn't decide between white spiky, green spiky, or red spiky. I mean, I'd seen the show a little bit. You're a kid in Japan. You, you see the show. But I couldn't decide. And they're, they're quite samey unless you're really deep into it. So I actually walked out with the Machine Krieger kit. They had one. That's why the choice was made. It was one. And it happened at a time when I was actually making some of the uh, the Tamiya 148 scale. Tanks had been coming out. And they're, they're cheap and they're good, at least in Japan. They're like ramen price. Uh, you know the kits I'm talking about, right, guys? The little, mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the ones with the little die-cast chassis in them. Yep. So they're, they're quite toy-like as well. Yeah. And they cost like 10 bucks there. They're, they're, they're oh, great. Wow. Yeah, and it's a, it's a lovely weekend build. You make it the first day, slap paint on it, and you're done. Uh, one of them, the, the, the Machine Krieger kit, I happened to see had a dark yellow uh, finish. And I had just learnt that wonderful word, word of Dunkelgelp. 
Do you remember the first time you learned that word and how cool you you feel? <laughs> Dude, I yep. know, I know, Zegdunkelgelb, and you feel like you're learning about history and, and and real model making and stuff like that. So this just happened to be that color. So you know, I was enabled. I said, well, okay, I could make that. I know that color. I, I have it at home. Let's get into it. And I had no idea what it was. I had seen them in different places. Had not got into it. In fact, uh, I was scared of Machine and Krieger before that. I had seen them in Akihabara, but they were the older, the Nito kits, the uh, multimedia. And I was frightened of multimedia at the time. I know it sounds funny, but yeah, I, I'd pop the top and go, ooh, these are a bit too good for you, Link. After popping Space Marines out, you know, you need to go for something a little bit easier. How about a SnapFit Gumpler? That'll be for you. We laugh, but true. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're just. We're, I'm trying to picture a young Link, you know, opening the box and being, hair. being timid. <laughs> just more hair. It's, it's not all that different. About the same weight. Same, just more hair. But yeah, yeah. I used to be. I used to be uh, intimidated by machining Krieger kits, and that was the thing. How does your journey go from opening that first MAK box and being a little bit intimidated to meeting Ko Yokohama Sensei and kind of your your journey with Machine and Krieger in general? I'll try to keep this one short, but it's like, you know, I'm an old man with stories. So the more I tell them, the funnier and more embellished they get. So I got to be careful. (laughs) So the shorter version is that I I quite, I really liked it. the, The first one, it was just so different. It happened to be one of the, the AFS suits. They're the very basic looking ones that, that your grandma-san first scratch built back in the, the 80s, uh, the original run with it. So I made a few, started talking with people online. Uh, I met both the uh, the Western community in a, in a forum as well as the Japanese community through uh, a blog, a blog that was popular. I found out that Wonder Festival uh, was coming up in the – it was the summer – and uh, Wonder Festival is that big one. Machine and Krieger lived at Wonder Festival for quite some time uh, because it wasn't getting regular love from plastic vendors. The people keeping it alive were the uh, the garage kit makers. They apparently had cool stuff for sale. So I went there. I, I, I went thinking I could just walk in and buy stuff, but it's just madness. You know, it's very popular. A lot of people, they line up from the wee hours. And I quickly learned that the MAK or Machine and Krieger thing meant sold out. That's what it meant. They're all the, the vendor tables were just crossed out, just sold out. So I stumbled around there, absolutely got nothing. And the people were, you know, I, I think it's just their, their, their mini subculture of, of Wonder Festival, but they were quite dismissive. And I learned later that they're, they're very wary of foreigners because foreigners were, were well known for uh, taking the stuff recasting it and selling it overseas. But oh, yeah. I, I didn't know. I didn't know. I was just some, some, you know, some kid stumbling around. But anyway, so I go outside and uh, one of the guys tells me there's an after party. And I'm like, hey, do they sell beer? Cool. So I go to that hoping that I can, you know, look, look sad outside and that they'll invite me in. And uh, I'm standing on the platform and I hear a, a rowdy group next to me at the next door. Uh, you know the the place you wait on the platform for the where the door opens. You got it marked yeah. down, and uh, there's a there's a loud group next to me, which is quite unusual in Japan. And I look over, and there's one guy in a throng of people. He's not all. He can tell he's not all that interested too. He's looking around, and we, I make eye contact with him, and 
it takes a moment and then I realize, I'm like, hey, that's that guy because I've seen him, his picture in the back of the book and it was Yokoyama-san. And I do the finger point and he points back at me and I go, hey, you're – when you see celebrities outside, you know he takes that moment to recognize them? Not on that yeah. thing, yeah. Went over and talked with them. And wait a minute. Maybe I had not planned to go to the party. Maybe Yokoyama-san invited me. I think that's how it turned out. That's how I met him. On a train platform, he was surrounded by a throng of people and we, we bumped into each other and started talking. And probably the novelty of a Japanese-speaking Caucasian was interesting enough to get me an invite to the party. <laughs> that's, I mean, that had to be, I mean, even, even at that point, that had to be a thrill for you to, to know who you were talking to. and Yeah, just spotting him. And he was quite friendly and nice and just having a quick chat. And I apologized to the throng. And then getting the invite, and then we, we got to speak. Uh, I had to bide my time. We got to speak a, you know, a reasonable amount at that party, and uh, I got to show him some of my work. And so, yeah, it was very cool. I thought that was, that was cool enough. That was the beginning and end of the Machine and Krieger story, I thought. That must have been a little bit intimidating, sharing your work with, with Yokohama-san. So they're set up to do it, in fact. So, so the, the, these parties, all, they, they always operate the same. So you get everybody in. Uh, because I was not known and I was new, once again, table 12 at, of the wedding singer, social awkwardness ensued. Once everybody has had a drink or two and, you know, the, the, they're socially enabled because, you know, we're all nerds, right? We're all quite shy with each other, especially the first time. People then began this procession of lining up at his table, holding their stuff to get their, their pat on the, on the head. It was just the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it's almost like a religious experience, right? People had told me it was a cult. I mean, the beer was okay, but there was no way I was touching the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, it was really weird. And then I figured out, oh, okay, they're going up and they're, you know, he's, he's, he's making some comments for them. He's offering feedback. I thought, wow, that's really cool. So I just jumped in towards the, the end of the line. Oh, poor guy. Apologized and got up to the front and... I, I can't remember. I was more excited than nervous, but still, I, I thought I felt bad for putting upon him, kind of thing, because you know he'd only kind of had a few bites of food. And, but yeah, that, that's the thing. It wasn't so much, and he was quite open and, and friendly about it. And he instantly spotted what I had wanted to do, poorly. So he was quite nice about it. It was probably a show of respect from him though to actually invest in you and give you that feedback on your model yeah he's very good with fan service uh and he's talked with me about this a great deal and it's in my progression to try to become a teacher the whole point of treating everyone as friends uh is the main thing that he he puts across and i think he's very it's a very good way to go about it too you should we should never speak down to people despite that we may have we may have more experience than some people, especially with a very minor, obscure thing of no real import in the world. But still, we should speak with people, you know, with respect and, and as friends. I, I quite like that, and it it makes it fun too. Occasionally, I'll find out that I've accidentally rubbed somebody the wrong way when I really haven't meant it. Link haters, I'm so sorry. It didn't wasn't meant like that. Come back. I love you all. How do we get from? Just meeting Yokohama-san and getting your first feedback to earning his trust and, and actually becoming 
having a working relationship with him? Sure. The uh, the, the first step was uh, I, I received a uh, a royal invite. The the very next day there was an event in town. He reached out through an intermediary. You know that's that's the polite way to invite people you don't know. And it, it he's all about uh, keeping the correct distance. Uh, it's another lesson he's been very careful to to, to instill in me is that you know, it's our job to keep the correct distance with people. Um, so we can't just to be careful with. I uh, reached out. Uh, so we we actually then spent a day together. Little did I know what was happening. So there was a lot of sharing for, on his part. I think initially it was mostly just the curiosity. I mean, again, I was lucky. I had spent and suffered <laughs> all of that time. Learning Japanese was not easy. It came with 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 a, a reasonable price. You know, embarrassment, shame, people laughing and pointing at you. <laughs> it's a lot, there's a lot goes into it, especially when you're younger. So it was lucky if I had not been a fluent Japanese speaker at that time, it just would not have happened. So I think that I'm, I'm happy to admit that that would have been a wonderful uh, foot in the door moment for me because we were able to speak quite directly. That progressed onto multiple personal personal meetings. What's the right way to say it? So they weren't professional. They weren't necessarily about model making. They were more about art, coffee, and cake. Things like that. So I'd be quite interested. So we, we actually became friends before the work. But whilst whilst that was happening, you know, I was very diligent. I put in a lot of work and um, was just pumping out Machine and Creek kits and taking all of the things that he mentioned to me. And it, it got to a point where I was allowed to sit with him whilst he did the feedback to other people. Wow. That was, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, was, uh, that was amazing because, and he said it's because you listen. He said so many people can't listen to advice. They just want the backpack. And we know that that is very true, isn't it? That many people, they'll say, you'll see it on, on, online. People say, uh, critique and criticism welcome. But hell no, it's not. Because <laughs> if, if, somebody, if somebody, heaven forbid, actually does say something, they'll get very upset about it so generally speaking because we and we understand we've invested so much of ourselves into our creation that no matter no matter if it's the owner of the property the person who invented it they don't want to hear it yeah i had the 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 correct attitude at the time thank goodness and that was just i don't know where i got that from again i i got lucky that i just thought well he's the guy why would i back talk him that just doesn't seem to make any logical sense whatsoever. If he says the foot should be like this, I'm making the foot like that. If he says, <laughs> right, it was just, you know, it was, I totally forest gumped that part. Why did you put it together so quickly, gump? I'll do whatever you say, drill sergeant. You know, it's it totally that kind of moment. So, and that, that just went on. I started being able to, to, to perfect his look so well that he said, you know, I need some more models. Can you do counterfeits for me? And little did I know that that is the old way of uh, teaching an apprentice. That if you wanted to, to, if you wanted to apprentice with Raphael or Rembrandt or one of these people back in the day, the first thing you needed to do was be able to produce copies of their work. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. yeah. And and Yokoyama-san, he's an expert. Actually, he's a professor at a university uh, for art, and Rembrandt is his number one subject. So much of the Machine and Krieger look is actually based on Rembrandt, oddly enough. I did not know that. Now, I've never said that in a podcast. I don't think it's ever been talked about uh, publicly. So it's a, 
that's a first. Hmm. He kind of met you and you became friends. And yes. He, and then uh, I'm sure he noticed your hard work and then kind of put you into a, the role of an apprentice. That's very, very interesting. And he doesn't have, he doesn't do apprentice. He's actually, Japanese people would constantly be warning me off to saying, just be careful. You know, he's, he's a really yeah. angry guy. I'm like, yeah, I'm cool with that. I'm way bigger than him. But <laughs> in my mind, and this is in my, this is in, and I say this is a joke, but uh, yeah, yeah, he's actually apparently for Japanese people, he's very difficult to get along with because he's quite opinionated and strong-willed. But again, being a, a foreigner has has was was a extreme advantage with that one because I understand the Japanese rules of etiquette and manners, but I'm also not completely bound by them either. I do have an alternate operating system that I can I can work by. So your culture was actually a, a bit of an advantage. It was being an advantage. An yeah. yeah. Whereas my whole life there, it had been a disadvantage um, thrown in my face every single day. I'm, I'm not saying that to be you know. To, I don't expect any. There's no pity or anything involved in that. That's just a, a, just how it is. But Japan's very much like that. So when I had this first glimmer of hope, wait a minute, this is a time that I could shine because it's required here rather than it being a uh, a liability. It was the first. Yeah. It was the first time in my in my life that it had not been a liability, which was just was something to then naturally gravitate on and focus on. So let's fast forward from that point to you decide to start uh, Paint on Plastic. When did you first have the idea for that? And kind of how did that happen? Okay. That's a really good question. Thank you. I I don't think I've been asked this. I want to really compliment you guys on your your preparation that you put into this. Thank you very much. Usually I get invited on a show and they'll go, yeah, do your thing. (laughs) (laughs) Which which is, yeah, dance, monkey, do the dance. And I'm I'm fine to do that too. I, I don't mind. There's, it's also just it's just a different one. Uh, the progression there at the studio went went it went very well. There was some trouble because I quickly started outpacing some other guys in the studio, and to them my gaijinness, that's your your foreignerness was a liability. So not everybody was as open minded to that. But anyway, there were there were the trials and tribulations there. That, uh, that you have in any kind of corporate environment, right? The jealousies. And yes, I was teacher's pet. But um, I also just, I exploded with talent and skill there. It was just like it was meant to be. But also having the private tutelage from the, the master certainly didn't hurt. So that zoomed along. Then I became the primary person required to, to emulate his style. Back then, it, the, our names were not put on the model. So people, people thought Yokoyama-san was just being quite prolific. There did come a little bit of a sticking point, though, when people noticed he changed and altered and somewhat improved his style. There was a little bit of friction in Japan because I'd hit a glass ceiling. The guys weren't upset with me, but once it became well-known that it was me making the stuff, you cannot outshine the emperor. It's just a, one of those life lessons, right? You can never... Uh, you can't out-George Lucas, back in the day in Star Wars, right? Right. I had to tread very carefully there. And then Max Watanabe, who'd brought me on for some of the other projects, he so he's the very business-minded one. He's very, very insightful. He said, look, Link, you're prob- you've probably gone as far as you can go domestically here. You need to, to take your assets and gifts and go international. It's really the only way you can, you can grow because we can't have you being more popular than us here. 
We just we, we can't have that. We've still got some time to go in our career. Um, you've got to go international. Uh, and it came at the perfect time with uh, my little girl. Uh, she had wanted to go to school and, uh, and study in English. So I still had that magical Australian passport that could make it all happen. So so uh, coming back to Australia, that's where paint on paint. Wait a minute, what's my brand called again? That's how Paint on Plastic was born. And I had absolutely no clue how to go about it. That was the best part. Because I had been internal in a studio that did all the heavy lifting for me. I just needed to make pretty things and write stories and laugh and go and get drunk afterwards with the guys. That's all I needed to do. Now, suddenly, uh, I have zero platform. I had no audience. Uh, it was a complete um, bounce off the bottom. But it's just the, the most honest way I could I could explain it. It's almost like in some ways, I mean, you learn Japanese, the language and the culture by being immersed in it. Correct. And you, you've kind of learned, uh, it seems like, about the paint on plastic community by being immersed into it. They pushed you in the pool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it was like doing it all again, but as a middle-aged man with no other life skills. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, when I came back to my hometown, uh, the resume did not fit what was happening locally. So also... Thank goodness I could not get a job. I had to go all in. I literally had to. So it was really, really good. Uh, and yeah, it was just the same thing again. You know, 30, uh, almost 30 years later, I had to uh, do, a, do another reboot. And that's what uh, Paint on Plastic was. I realized I needed to make my own platform. Uh, I needed to fulfill all, all of the functions that uh, my previous uh, employers had done for me and learn how to do that very quick whilst paying for a... Uh, a wonderful family in a reasonably expensive country. Two million views later, it's a great story. You got a community and, you know, obviously it's a lot of hard work. It doesn't happen overnight. But why have I got to do it twice, Scott? <laughs> I'd already made it to the top once. I was big in Japan. Why have I got to do it again? It's uh, that's good. I'm glad I did it. And it's been the biggest learning experience. The second one was harder. Uh, it was harder again. So I'm really happy it happened. I've learned a lot. I mean, I say Australia, physically I'm here, but my platforms are actually US-based because of the, you know, the, the viewing power, because of the economic power and population power of the US as an English-speaking country. Uh, I think most of the stuff I do, I, I'm actually, a, I'm a US creator in some ways too, because over 30%, one third of my uh, stuff is consumed in the US. I'm very happy for it. Thank you very much. America, I love you. Yeah, TJ, good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, but really, that's why I really want to go and visit a bunch of shows and stuff in the US. Once this is settled down, that is very much the next priority is to get over yeah. there and, and meet and make a bunch of friends in person. Uh, that'd be wonderful. What, what kind of like drew you uh, or what continues to draw you into Machine and Krieger other than obviously your awesome history with it? But like, what kind yeah. of like keeps you? going with it yeah okay that kind of makes sense that's a good question thanks DJ. it is different it's quite different so I, I there's two things i can maybe point at number one is crushing obligation and guilt <laughs> <laughs> sensei so yokohama-san he provided me with a wonderful gift it's my obligation to to pass it on number one but um number two is uh, this 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 will and and this one will come back and sound very conceited and self-serving. So uh, I I hope that the the two the dualities make one whole good. 
I hope that's how it works. So there's the one. I feel that it's a gift I can give to English speakers uh, and people outside of Japan to see more. I'm the closest you can look into that world. I'm, I'm sorry I'm not Japanese. I know if I was Japanese, at least if I was ethnic Japanese, people would be able to appreciate what I do even more because it would appear to be more legitimate, wouldn't it? But no, I'm some, I'm some white guy with an Aussie accent, so how can he possibly know about Japan things? And、uh, if we were able to Vulcan mind meld my mind to your mind, you would see that I've lived a whole life there. So, anyway, that's, a, that's an aside. But、uh, it, it's the closest. So, I realized that that's quite an obligation,、uh, quite a responsibility on my part. For those who are interested in it, I can give people the closest experience they can have to being inside a Japanese professional modeling studio and having a Japanese teacher. In, I'm passing on directly what Yokama san taught me. I've got that wealth of experience in developing, you know, my mind really does have the two operating systems now. Even if, you're, even if you can get perfect、uh, translations of, say, what's in the books, for example, it doesn't contain the essence of how Yokama san says the things. That's really different and important because my Japanese friends also say they can read his books, but they don't understand him. That's an important one. I think many people, more people need to, to understand is that it's not merely a language, but it's language coming out of a person. And so it's, it's couched in、uh, personality, experience, wit, humor, various, various aspects. So, number one, that's that big one the crushing guilt and obligation one. But number two is, and it's funny too, because often I'll have people say,、uh, especially on Facebook, They'll go, yeah, this looks like all the other ones I've seen. And I go, yeah, because they're mine. <laughs> I, yeah, I want to say that. I want to. In my, in my mind, I want to reply, yeah, yeah, that's because they're mine, bruh. Flex. But I can't type that because it would come across wrong. You can't see the humor in it. But one of the things is because I, 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 I literally do partially own that studio look because I spent so much time in developing it and, I, and that I can produce it and make. Legitimate finishes at will, there's quite a thrill and a buzz in being able to do that. So I'm quite happy. I like to be able to do that again and again, but also tweak it over time for my first series of publications.、Uh, I'm going to, I wanted to put in as legitimate a look as I could so that people first experience something like that. Once I've got a lot of them out of my system, because I, I do have, once you experience any sort of level of even minor success like I've had, You'll have people that want to pick it apart. And it's, it's fine. It's just that's how the engineering mindset works, as opposed to the, the artistic one that engineers are used to debugging things, right? They, they need to find what's wrong to fix things. Yeah, why, challenge each other and challenge the design. Right, right, right. But it, it's a very difficult mindset to improve with because you're, you're, you've told your subconscious, look for bad stuff. So that's what it sees. And it can't help but then try to express that in your work.、Uh, this is what your grandma-son has told me. So if you don't agree with that, go argue with him. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I found what he said is, is quite true.、So、all, all of the great artists have always had a very, what can I learn from this? What can I take from this? What's the good in this、uh, mindset? So、uh, that's why I've gone with that. But I've had some people say, you don't do anything new. 
uh, well, I'm very good at this. Why does it need to be new every time? Sometimes, yes, I will just replay uh, greatest hit from the past because people want to see tutorial videos for it. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's the one of the second ones, TJ. I'm sorry I went long, but oh, no. is that I get a real kick out of doing quite legitimate looking finishes. But once I get them out and in publications, they're in English that people can reference. I do have a bunch of stuff that I want to test out. So that's burning a hole inside my creative pockets. Uh, your, your finish on models is, like you said, it yeah, it's it's very recognizable, and it is fantastic. Thank you. I've done I've, well. You're welcome. <laughs> and 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 you're very. I just wanted to compliment you on how accurate your assessment of my work is. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, TJ! You nailed it. Nailed it, bro. I need to give. Can we put gifts into podcasts? Nailed it. <laughs> 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 all right oh let me collect myself yeah. let me <laughs> so guess how, how do you make your how do you make the look look unique huh? yeah i mean more or less it does have a, a very unique finish that i've i've seen other people try to mimic but sure. can't quite do not not that what they produce look bad by any any sense but it, I, yeah there's just a, a way a way about it like what do you do that's special, you know, right, like, right, right. like what, what, like, you know, I know there's the, the, the brushing of lacquer paints, which is something I didn't even think was possible until I watched your video on it. And I still like, I don't even have the courage to try that myself because I no, just no, it's, like it's not necessary at all. TJ, look, if you don't want to do it, definitely just go with what you're comfortable with. It's definitely not required really. In fact, many of my models are airbrushed, but because people know about the idiocracy of the, the lack of hand brushing, they then assume they're all hand brushed. I've struggled with this for some time because even the airbrushed ones, people go, wow, that's amazing hand brushing. But I'm too polite to correct them. <laughs> and, you know, I'll take any, any compliments I can get. So even the, the, the one that's actually two of the ones that are on my website, I'm still updating it, but the two finished models on my website are, are airbrushed finishes. So... It's not the lack of hand brushing. I know everybody's always trying to find the thing and then they think it's the paint. And but I've got some that are hand brushed with acrylics as well. So it's a tough one to nail, isn't it? But see, I'm, I'm very sorry for talking long. Please go ahead. I think, and, and maybe this is TJ, maybe this is where you're coming from, but I think it's almost before you can make something on a model, you have to be able to see what you want to make. You're, you're, you have to see with your eye the layers of diffusion and in the paint, the distressing and the the different tonal variations in that finish. And if you can't see it that way, then you can't really produce it. And whether it's an right. airbrush right. or a paintbrush, it's how you see those things. And so how have you kind of developed your style and the way that you see those finishes? Not only is that style yours, but it, it's it's really... It's revolutionary. It's really, really unique, and it, it just looks terrific to the eye. I, I think, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and again, may I compliment you on your accuracy of your assessment? The, um, are we going to wear that joke out? The, uh, this, is, this is difficult. This is difficult to explain. I mean, I, I do know why, and it hurts me. And your karma son is constantly chiding me about this. One of the, and this dovetails back to paint on plastic and, and my business. This hurts my business because 
Only people with a well-developed eye appreciate my work. So financially, it's not a good thing. You want new people to love your stuff, right? But, and especially because new people are the ones who spend on the hobby too. There's, there's multiple things working against me there. But it's something I have lamented from the early days. I noticed that my earlier, so we'll call them fans, were modeling pros themselves were the first people to actually make mention to me because new people, new people to modeling, do not like my work. And I have a story to illustrate it too. So when I first saw uh, my first in-person whitewash finish, my brain told me that I didn't like it. And I said to Yokoyama-san, I don't like that one. And he, he laughed at me as he, as he did. And he said, why? I said, yeah, it's too, too rough, too messy, etc." And he says, okay, just wait. It'll probably become one of your favorites. Lo and behold, uh, once, I stood, once I got into to whitewash winter finishes, I feel they've become some of my, my best works. I think it's that complexity that once our mind is attuned, our eye and mind, I mean, in a way they can be called the same thing, aren't they? It's just our, our, our sense of a model. That once we become very good at looking at models, we become more appreciative of what's happened and what we're looking at. Whereas when we're new, we appreciate just very different things. Uh, it, I remember crossing over from Warhammer to Machine and Krieger that Warhammer, they're almost, they're the, is antithesis the right word? They're, they're at opposite ends of the ballpark, aren't they? They're, one is completely focused on handbrushing perfectly smooth coats that you should just be using an airbrush for, right, with all hammer. They need to be very, very smooth. can't see anything. It needs to be utter perfection, whereas machine Krieger is completely the other end of the spectrum. It's supposed to be done in as few brushstrokes as possible in a Rembrandt-esque late career graphic roughness. That one is tough. I'm going too long. I know. Yeah, no, this is fascinating. Absolutely. I've never actually had an opportunity to speak at any length on this before. So it is why I try to do various kinds of, that's why I keep my, and, and this is no disrespect intended to Gumpla whatsoever, but I, I do generally try to keep the Gumpla finishes simpler and they are more yeah. popular. My, my most popular ones are the most simple Gumpla ones. I, if I use Instagram to, to judge what's working uh, in terms of just uh, numbers, the simplest looking ones that I do for Gumpla are hugely popular, like a, a, a factor that makes me cry. They're, they're just the numbers, but it's just because that's more appealing to more people. So sadly, the machining Krieger, the look, the, that unique look, the, the more sophisticated look that we talk about is actually only of interest to more advanced modelers. And sadly, more advanced modelers won't pay for modeling instruction. I mean, some do, but it becomes increasingly difficult. I'm sorry to make it about business, but no, no. it's just that's how my modeling time, it's all about that. But yeah, um, you intermediate and advanced modelers are the worst customers. Seriously. <laughs> Interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Intermediate and advanced modelers think they know enough that they do not need to learn anymore, that they can just somehow belt it out, sit there at the bench, figure it out. I'll, I'll include myself, but I'm different with the forest gumping I talked about before. I still go back and ask people. Uh, I buy a lot of noob books. I, I do all of these things 
to to learn. But many advanced uh, intermediate and advanced modelers, they'll be advanced at one look, one thing. They can they can get that done pretty well, but their mind is sadly no longer open to learning new things. Generally speaking, once we make it through, and I say we, the, after the first one to two years, we figure we've got enough. And once we get enough dopamine hits from the socials, the rate of learning progression drops markedly. But of course, it's not everybody. The, the cream that rises to the top, of course, are, are open to continuous learning. It's something that I feel an obligation to point out because that just that comment may save one person who might turn around and go, you know, I need to learn and improve. I think part of that too is that jumping between genre makes you more open to that as well. Making tanks, making airplanes, making sci-fi, going across them, you care a little bit less about um, being good at one thing because you leave your pride and ego at the door each time. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah. Did I did I recover? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Hey, I don't think it's I don't think it's offensive. I think yeah. at all. I think yeah. your observations are accurate. Yeah. I don't think they're offensive. Someone, you you watch. There'll be someone out there. Hey, God! You know, be waving his hand around up in the air, pocket protector, blood nose, and it'll all be happening. Ah, guys with these damn opinions. Yeah, uh, they'll be as angry as TJ talking about Vallejo yeah. surface primer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, do you hate that stuff too? I do. No, no, but I use a bunch of their paints. Their, their paints are great, but the surface oh yeah, I, I love their I love their paint. Um, yeah, especially for any kind of hand brushing stuff. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, God, their yeah. primer is just yeah. yeah, it's the worst. And those poor people who think it's the best one because again they haven't tried other stuff. Yes, and and, and and it's that same syndrome. It's because they they have made it work, and 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 you know props to them, but. Just just shoot Stanil res once and you'll cry about all of those times. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Many internet flights uh, I've been in were about that. But. but going back to the unique style though, number one, it was not intended. It's just happened. But number two is I consider every model is like a draft, an experiment. So I'm constantly learning and relearning. Uh, and, and that's why I, I do apologize for maybe being a little bit mouthy about it, but just because I'm the other extreme, I cannot do the same thing twice. It just bothers the heck out of me. That's another way I keep interested in making Machine and Krieger stuff, DJ, is that I actually keep tweaking and changing the order of things and messing it around, which makes me a terrible teacher because some of my content is then <laughs> confusing. I've been lectured about that too. I need to make some standard template uh, tutorials as well to help out newer people more instead of just documenting my craziness. Well, I think I think like the ability to to change. I mean, even really anything with Machine and Krieger is kind of like I don't know. For me personally, it's one of the things that that drew me to it because I, I love you know building a tank and trying to be you know maybe replicating one particular tank you know from a picture or something. But you can crack open a Machine and Krieger kit and really just kind of do whatever you want with it. Yep. Yep. And it's, you paid. It's yours. It's Boom. It's kind of. It's kind of. And not that you couldn't do that with a Sherman tank, but it. it I don't know. At least we in my can. mind, we can. We, we just right, need. Right. We need more testicular fortitude. <laughs> That's what we need. We can. We can do like a, a racing Sherman with the with with the magic eight ball on the back, and we can. But you know, we just need to to tough it out. 
I've actually thought about doing that. I mean, anybody, feel free to jump on this idea. I was going to do some, some more competitions with the paint on plastic community and call it names like that, like, you know, robot builders making airplanes wrong, <laughs> making tanks wrong. But yet you're exactly right. It is one of the great things about Machine Krieger is because it's almost as if, and I am saying this facetiously, it's almost as if that's why the backstory is thin. Because I get pinged a lot about why is the backstory um, so so ill fleshed out, and it's meant to be because it's for the fans to do themselves, right? And, yeah, to, I mean, and to not limit people. Yeah. When I try to encourage people to to build a machine and create kit, that's one of the things that I like to bring up. That you know, there's an interesting backstory, but it's kind of shallow. But that kind of yeah. gives you room to work, and yeah. really, you know bring your imagination into it where we're kind of like I was saying, like, sure, you can bring your imagination into building a Sherman and there's nothing wrong with that. But you know, if I build a Sherman, I, I personally want to build like a real, you know, quote unquote, a real thing. Sure. Sure. But that's just me personally. The Battle of Bastogne is, is too interesting not to, not to, to, to do as a Right. And then when I build uh, an SAFS, I'm like, well, I can kind of just dig around and find uh -huh. a piece of, another kit I have laying around and glue it on here and I can come up with my own head cannon of why this random piece is on here. Right. right it's right. just, I, I don't know. It's not really a question so much as it, as it is an observation. Don't worry, TJ. People share their enthusiasm with me all the time. I'm happy to, to hear it and talk about it. It's cool. Oh, biggest modeling influences, uh, Koyo Kama, uh, Mig Jimenez, Mike Rinaldi. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty solid top three right there. <laughs> yeah, and I got to and I got to become friends with all three. Uh, I haven't met uh, Mike in person though, uh, but we've been pen pals from about two thousand and eight nine, I think. Uh, so he was very helpful with the oil paints. He's a, he's a great guy. I haven't met him in person either, but we correspond as well, and I found him to be. A bunch very, of us probably bother the heck out of the poor guy, don't we? <laughs> think about <laughs> yeah. it. Think about it. He's like, ah, oh, this guy again. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike, we love you. So. <laughs> and he always answers and he answers quickly enough but new people don't don't ping him because he's ours to annoy that's right <laughs> i do i do want to talk about your um or the uh machine career contest you have going on sure thing. just kind of give us a little rundown about it i had the feeling i can't always intellectualize everything but i i had the feeling that it was the right time for people to be a little bit more socially connected because despite things being probably the worst they've ever been during the crisis, I feel that people can see light at the end of the tunnel. And actually, I kicked this off before the vaccine announcement too. It's quite timely. But so I thought, how about, can I help the community get past the, the end of this year by focusing on something that they can prepare for next year? Will next year be better? I don't know. You know, we can't. I know a lot of people are not so happy about 2020. So I thought, okay, how about, and it's, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek, of course. We'll kick off a 2021 competition now, and we've skipped 2020. A couple of people had asked. We did a competition, uh, the Q3, Q4, in 2019, the Machine and Krieger won. Uh, and a few people had asked if we could do that again. So uh, you guys, you still have until uh, 
February. And I'll, if a bunch of people look like they're close to finishing, the best thing about organizing a competition is we can do whatever we want. I, I'll scooch it later if you need to. That's why I was very evasive about the end point. So it's any machining Krieger kit. As long as it's got the little gold sticker on the box, it's good. Make that any way you want, anything to your liking. And it can be started. We don't, no, no, nobody minds. It's actually a perfect way. I've got a bunch of friends who will show me boxes they consider shame. It's always funny, right? They crack the box and it's mostly put together. This, this is a good time to do it because you've got the backup of a community working on it. So it makes it a lot easier. Just share your, your, your progress, your start point and the progress with a hashtag. Hashtag paint on plastic, M-A-K, comp, C-O-M-P, 2021. And the magic of hashtags, they're great, aren't they? Because I mean, any platform that that's on, I mash it and I can see and comment and praise people for their work. It's it's really fantastic. I used to get people to email them to me, but it's a lot of work for both sides. Uh, the hashtag's fantastic. So, and that's it. And we'll call it to a close in, I said February. Uh, it really depends on how people are going. If we have enough people finish, boom, we'll just, we'll call it. If they're not, uh, we could go late Feb. Is that too evasive? No. Okay. Awesome. No, I think that's perfect. Yeah, because yeah, it's community-based. I want to call it for you. I've got a couple... <laughs> That are built and in a box right now, but not painted. There you go, see? Yeah. Or one's, one's completely built and the other is like maybe 25% of the way. There you go, the get them pair. done. This is, this is the time. And I want to publish these for people too. Uh, so the prize this time, I don't know if it's appropriate to say I'm the sponsor. Because, you know, competitions, they've always got sponsors. <laughs> they always get somebody on board. And I thought, and I've got a bunch of people that I thought would be really good to do it. But... Right now, shipping physical products around the world, uh, some people, it costs them more to get stuff in than what the win is worth. Have you guys heard of this? Especially, yes. Yeah, people in the, our friends yeah. in the UK, they get oh, absolutely yeah. dinged. We had one of the winners in 2019, last, sorry, it is last year. Uh, he refused the prizes, you know, he, he passed because it was going to cost him more to get the stuff in than it was worth for him to accept. Oh, that's terrible. That is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I felt really bad for him. So I thought, okay, I'll offer something this time. And I think it's something we all actually secretly crave more. And it's public recognition, or at least peer recognition for what we do. Um, so there will be a, uh, a, a paint-on-plastic publication uh, for the, the competition. And uh, we'll release that for free uh, through my website as a download. And it'll be professionally put together. I'll pay for that uh, to, to be put together really well. And so it's a, it's a really nice looking download for you. And um, I'll, we'll put feedback in there. I'll try to get your Kamasan involved. I can't promise. But uh, feedback for you know the, the winners. The, the ones that are, I don't know what number we can aim for, but the, the top 10, top 20, top 50. Uh, however many like pretty good quality entries they're in, we can put them in there for you. I thought that how might cool, be a, how cool is that? I yeah. thought, what could I do for the community? Uh, that's probably the best gift I can do. I mean, because you can buy kits easily, right? Yeah, relatively. Yeah, I think relatively. That's really cool. Relatively. Yeah. So, so that's the plan for that one. I actually I haven't announced that one even to my community yet. So, this is a this is a spoiler, a good spoiler. <laughs> Awesome. You heard it here first, people. Yeah. <laughs> Give me talking long enough. I've got no vault. I'll spill everything. <laughs> <laughs>
the contest sounds awesome. I'm probably not probably. I am going to enter myself. Dude, you're totally entering, and and I'm looking for two models from you now. You you said two. Well, I've got like uh, eight maybe, but I've okay. got two that are that are ready to go. Okay. Cool. And since you kind of mentioned about kind of publishing the, yes. the winners, as it were, do you have anything else we can be looking forward to in the publishing realm? Thank you. Excellent question. Uh, I can I pretend that I didn't contact you guys to plug my book on your show. Of course. <laughs> yes. I can totally yes. get away with that now, right? And please don't edit that out. I think that would be why I heard that. I would think that this guy is hilarious. The first one, I've got a couple on the way. The first one, it's done. So I've shipped my content and uh, it's a the sci-fi FAQ published by the AK Interactive guys. They're the ones who own the uh, FAQ series. So they've got the AFV, they've got the tank ones. And uh, the aircraft modeling ones. Uh, did you guys own any of those books by chance? I do. I have the FAQ 2 on armor. Cool. It's fantastic. And I will be purchasing a copy of that of the yearbook for sure. That sounds awesome. I also, I really like FAQ 2 as well. And I hope this doesn't get me in trouble. With, uh, I've only got two friends at, at uh, AK Interactive. So the owner, Fernando, nice guy, and uh, Cesar, if you're listening. And the, the, the layout dude, Tomek. FAQ 2... I actually received that in person in Tokyo from MIG. Uh, Miguel handed that one over me, and it's nicely, and it's signed, and um, it was hugely inspirational to me, especially. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I volunteered to do the you know some some grunt work for him in translating his shows, you know, for free because it was a wonderful insight. There's nothing like because he's a very good modeler. Don't let the hair and belt buckle throw you. He's actually a very, very good modeler. Stifled giggles in the background. He's like, he's away from modeling now. He's been more into the business thing. But back then, he was very, 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 very good. Translating it helps to burn the lessons in like nobody's business because you've got to cross it across both uh, operating systems, right? You're hearing it in Spanish, English, and then you've got to get it into Japanese. So it was really, really good. But man, what a, what a moment though. I'm thumbing through that book whilst writing my version of it nine years later. That was quite a little moment for me to, to realize. So I based it mostly on that version too. I've got other ones. I bought, uh, I've got aircraft uh, scale modeling FAQ. I'm just looking at my desk here. And the dioramas one, which is just unbelievably good. I wanted to take it back to the beginning because I think MIG really nailed the format in that first one. It's very complete. It didn't break the, the topics down too far didn't get too detailed for something that's an FAQ. So I quite like that. I liked it too. And I thought, I thought it was a really good compromise link to um, like, if you had never built an armor model yes. before, you could pick up the book and follow it step yes. by step. Yes. And if you're an advanced modeler who's built 50 tanks, there's still a lot of things in there. You yes. can learn. Exactly. A hundred percent. Exactly that. Because I'll admit when I, when I sat down to try to, because I asked them, you know, hey, have you got a layout for it? And they copy-pasted me the air one. And I thought, okay. So, and, and, and Fernando was honest. He said, look, we don't know sci-fi. That's why we're paying you. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Dance, monkey, dance. Yeah, yeah. And again, it was, it, was, it was, I was back up on that stage with the spotlight, you know, with my, my soft shoe shuffle going on. So, yeah, you know, you know the Sifi. That's how our Spanish friends say sci-fi. Shifi. You know, Sifi, dance monkey. 
the that how was do you, how do you look at a top hat, Link? Yeah, right. Well, it, it it does cut down on the reflection of the 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 light from the spotlight. It helps and it helps block me in. The uh, so that was the first hurdle was how the hey hey am I going to format this? Because when you think about it, sci-fi could realistically be the largest of all of the books because. It's it's huge. We've only had tanks for X amount of years, and there's there's a lot of variation, but also not. I mean, you've got the World War One ones, World War Two, modern armor, few versions. We can paint them a bunch of different ways, but at least it's somewhat concise. Aircraft. I think we've had airplanes a little longer, maybe. Uh, there's there's a bit more, and there's civil variation, but but anyway, there's that. Sci-fi is anything we can think up, and it's been going since what the 50s, 60s. The enormity of science fiction then fell upon me and it highlighted my my inadequacies. I thought, I can't do Star Trek. Uh, I do very little Star Wars. I love it. I just haven't had the opportunity. And I started to realize, wow, there's there's a lot I can't do. Oh my, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? How can I get away with this and alienate the least amount of people was my, my first thought. You know, how can I, how can I, somewhat succeed with this and piss off the least amount of people. But of course, that is completely the wrong way to look about creation. With, with a, I have a long history of creation. If you, if you don't mind, my opinion on creativity is to make things to your liking. And hopefully some other people will like it too. If you're trying to make other people happy, yeah, you will fail. So I thought, okay, well, I can't make the good version. So... What I can make is my version. I can make that really well because I know my stuff. So that's how I approached it. I made it as well as I can for the stuff that I'm, I'm good with and kept it as broad as possible. And uh, the result, though, I'm very happy with the content then. Out of all of the books made so far in the series, I feel that it's the best on paint, on uh, tools, paint, and, uh, and techniques because it's very, very broad. I've added a lot that are just are not in the others uh, because sci-fi has them. I've been very careful to contrast them and give options. I think mine is the only one that shows how you can use... I mean, they, they've shown cans before, but I've got cans, hand brush for a finish, and airbrush for a finish. Uh, and I've treated all three of them equally, for example. Um, it's, it's probably the deepest dive on those initial sections. So even if you don't look what the actual models are or have no interest in the last part of the book, the galleries, etc., of the, the, the sci-fi stuff, the actual how-to and the section on paint. I wanted them to be the, the best so that uh, my modeling friends in other genre had an excuse to buy my book. Absolutely. I mean, we've talked at length on our podcast, not to get too far off of this, but I think one of the things that's really fueling sci-fi's growth in the United States is the crossover as far as finishing goes with blending science fiction and what's been more traditionally armor weathering techniques right? and producing the kinds of finishes that you've been doing on MAK all along. Sure. But, sure. And, and I think that's going to tie right into your book. Uh, that's what I've tried to do is show all of the things that I do. And, and I'll, I'll make sure to put that disclaimer in the, 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 the conclusion that, uh, they're not mine. I've just stolen them from a bunch of other good people. Uh, so there's a lot in there. There's, there's Mick Jimenez in there. There's Michael Rinaldi in there. There's Koyo Grama in there. I, I may be the spirit fingers that is putting it together, 
but it all comes from you know homaging and taking the good from other things. And that's one of the really cool things, as you said, for sci-fi, is that we can we can take things from other genre and really not get in trouble. Our airplane friends can get in trouble with tanks on airplanes, for example. Have you heard that one? You're just doing tanks on airplanes. Yeah. I, 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 I love seeing how people complain about things, but I'm like, really? It's, it's fine. But uh, yeah, so but sci-fi, we can kind of get away with that because, because people don't respect it anyway. They, uh, the, that kind of, you guys know what I mean. I know. Yes. Uh, oh, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> well, and, and it, it does segue into our next one because I've been pitching people to collaborate with a, with a publication. I've actually not gone with some artists who are very good because of their low opinion of sci-fi. You know, they'll, they'll say things like, oh, I make that stuff when I, uh, I need a break from something serious. I'm like, really? Your toy airplanes are more important than your toy robots? Really? <laughs> t t tell me. Tell me about that. But I've got to be careful with that. But yeah, so that's a really cool thing. I hope it's. A, I hope you guys like it. But again, it's and it's my first swing at a large book. I've only done small sections before in other books, and it's been in Japanese. So this one is ninety nine percent me. I brought in one friend to help me with the modulation section because I want to finish my career without ever having done modulation. I just want to. Uh, <laughs> I. <laughs> I have nothing against it. I think it's a really cool look, but even according to uh, Adam, Adam Wilder and uh, Ming Jimenez, the guys who purportedly invented it, they said it was not for modern vehicles, future stuff I, and complicated things. They said in the initial iteration of modulation that it was not correct for them. It was designed for boxy tanks, right? They did, uh, and it's in uh, FAQ too. Have a look if you reread the section on modulation. So I've actually quoted it too in mine, and that's my excuse, and I'm going to roll with that forever. <laughs> Never do modulation. <laughs> and my buddy's much better at it than – like I, I could probably wing one together, but I respect our community more. I don't want to do that. It would seem, you know, contrived and kind of half-assed to put <laughs> – that's what it would be. I'd rather get somebody who's really good. Uh, and Pablo's Spanish too. So it's ultimately legit. Well, you mentioned another book as well. So the FAQ on sci-fi is uh, something we're, we're excited about and looking forward to. Do you have another book that you're working on as well? Release date for that sci-fi FAQ. I don't know when they're going to pump it out. It was talked about as a Christmas release. I don't know if I've produced the content quickly enough for them. Christmas feels pretty close, doesn't it? It does. So I'm not sure when they'll, but my part is shipped but we'll see what they can do with it. I'd wanted to do this for quite some time, but paint, paint on plastic publishing, we could call it. I had attempted it because I did come from publishing before paint on plastic kicked off. The main thing we were doing all of the work for was for publishing, physical publishing, especially for Hobby Japan and the books. I had wanted to go straight into that, but I didn't have the, the right amount of pull, I guess we could call it, to have the, the, the right people collaborate with me. But, but now I do, uh, thankfully. I've been able to trick some fantastic people to work with me. That's one of the ones I want to, to that we are going into next. I pitched Yokoyama-san. I thought that would be uh, the most respectful thing to do, would be to, to, to show his work first. I pitched one small idea to him, and he said, he patted me on the head again, he said, that's cute. Uh, here's what you're really going to do. 
So his pitch was to, and and so the name, the name. I'm I'm very I'm embarrassed. That's why that's why the preamble. I'm embarrassed to say the name, but your karma son chose it. The M A K Lincoln Report. You can laugh now. <laughs> and, right? People, it's not, I don't. It's not terrible. People are gonna people are gonna giggle and they're gonna go look at the ego and this fool. But uh, Yokama-san wanted it because he wanted it to be – well, he wanted it to be my fault if it failed. I think that's number one. (laughs) But more importantly, he wants it to be a narrative. So it's a story. So it's not about machining Krieger per se as my journey and interaction with it, with him, the story of him teaching me and my journey from the beginning uh, and then unfolding. When we think about it, it is actually quite a story. Some noob shows up with an unfortunate complexion and then <laughs> goes all the way through and is, uh, is, is, is granted a sensei title. It's quite a thing. So they're sending all of my old models back to me here. Uh, they're going to send all my old ones back so that I can photograph, re-photograph the old ones, compare it with new ones, and use it as a teaching experience to show people about Machine and Krieger and how I've evolved over the years, what I've learned and what Yokohama san continues to teach me. But I'll also be including some other artists in it, and that will be coming out most likely next year as well. And that's quite a different format. I mean, we don't have to go as broad. We can, we can go quite deep on, into it. So, yeah, that should be it's, – it's a lot of fun. I'm very excited about that. If I'm truthful, I'm probably more excited about that one. We can go deeper and it's more nerdy. Uh, and the other one is done. I need to recover from it. <laughs> it, was, it was a big project. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Lincoln and his work can be found at paintonplastic.com. He also has a YouTube channel, Paint on Plastic. It has almost 100 videos that you can check out. Fantastic content there. He's got a Facebook page for Paint on Plastic. That's a great place to go and interact with members of the community there. That includes the new MAK 2021 contest. And then also remember to look for those new publications, the Sci-Fi FAQ, when that's released uh, by AK. That's going to be great. Uh, Lincoln, any other uh, things to mention? No, that's that's the best plug I've had ever. Thank you very much, Scott. <laughs> but I, I try to keep it. I keep it very simple for people because I know how hard it is to follow stuff across multiple platforms. If friends are interested in my work, everything is hosted. The core hub is paintonplastic.com. Nice and simple. And and also you do have a Patreon community as well? But yes, I do have a Patreon. I'd like to think it's a little different or unique in that I, I primarily use it for releasing video courses. It's more like a, a self-publishing site for video courses. I've actually put up the first online course I've got a full uh, step-by-step from beginning to end on the Machining Krieger Folkcare that I'm just finished. And um, so that, that's a really good one for that. Well, thank you, Lincoln. Uh, appreciated the visit. We want to have you back sometime. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you very much. And, and again, may I compliment you on your, uh, your wonderful style and professionalism. It's a, I can see this going to be a very important podcast in the scale modeling world. Thank you very much for your work and efforts. TJ, I think he was talking to you. Oh, no, that was all, that was all you, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot, Link. You take care. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right, thank you.
All right. Thanks, guys. That was our interview with Lincoln Wright. At the very least, it was Scott and TJ's interview with Lincoln, Lincoln Wright. I was not there for it. On the next episode, we're going to have Matt McDougall from Dugues Models. Another interview I missed. Sorry. And uh, remember our sister podcasts? Plastic Model Mojo is on episode 25. The hobby isn't really dead. Scale Model Podcast is episode 59. Kate Kate Makes Things Bonus episode. That should be great. And On the Bench, episode 97, Building versus Collecting. And they are coming real close to episode 100. And we're looking forward to what they do for that one. Don't forget, we've also got the T3485 group build. And uh, you can find that on Facebook. And if you want to join, there's no time limit on this. Join up and uh, show us what you got. Feel free to post photos and updates on your builds on our Facebook page. Thanks a lot, Doug. Just want to remind everybody out there, we hope you're enjoying our shows. Look forward to your feedback. Send us what you think, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, Also love to see uh, pictures of your builds, in-process builds, finished projects. You're welcome to post those on our Facebook page at the Plastic Posse Podcast. Another reminder on Hobby Shop shoutouts, we haven't had any of those for a little bit. Uh, We still want to try and do our best to support those brick and mortar shops that are out there wherever they are in the world. So if you have a local hobby shop that you frequent and or have frequented in the past and you want to give them a shout out, send us the information. We'd love to give them an on-air shout out and help them uh, try and uh, get business any way they can. One last thing, if you're enjoying the show and you don't mind taking a moment to go to whatever podcast provider that you use and leave a review for the show, especially if you can give us a five-star review, that'll really help us find new listeners. If they're out there looking for a hobby-related podcast, that really helps out with the algorithms and We really, really appreciate it if you take the time to do that. Anyway, that's all for us uh, this week. Hope you enjoyed the episode. As uh, Doug said, we're going to have Matt McDougall from Dukes Models next week, and we look forward to talking to you guys again in two weeks. Thanks a lot. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, Doug. Take it easy, guys. (laughs) 